Father God, we are grateful for the opportunity once again to gather as your people, especially in a country where we have the freedom to do so. And we ask, O oh Lord, that our hearts would be receptive to what you would say to us, not just in this collective setting, but also individually. May we open our hearts and allow you to speak to the individual concerns that we have in order, Father, that we may be nourished and fed and that you would be honored and glorified by our response. And so, Lord, we commit this uh, time to you now with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. We are approaching a time, not only in our country, but in the United States as well, when what we call election fever is heating up. And um, a lady was asked about her husband's uh, allegiance. And she described his inconsistencies this way. She said that... Uh, when he is at a, 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 a democratic meeting, he behaves like a democrat. When he, he's at a, a republican meeting, he behaves like a republican. And someone asks, well, how does he behave at home? And uh, she replied with emphasis, he's a real demon. How many times do we have that same expression about ourselves? A little boy went over to the pastor's house one day, and uh, the pastor was doing some carpentry in his garage. And uh, the boy just stood there, and he watched for a long time. He just stood there and watched him. And um, after a while, the, the pastor wondered why this boy was watching him so intently. And so... Out of curiosity, he finally said, he stopped and he said, Son, are you trying to pick up some pointers on how to build something? The little boy replied, No. I'm just waiting to hear what a preacher says when he hits his finger with a hammer. All too often, we found out what we are made of by what actually comes out of our mouths, both in good and bad situations. Whenever we have a conduct and character change in our lives, it results in some kind of fruit. The question is, what kind of fruit? Is it spiritual fruit or is it carnal fruit? Is it fleshy fruit or is it spiritual? Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, tells us what spiritual fruit looks like. Notice what it says, the fruit of the Spirit. And not fruits, I cringe every time I hear people say the fruits of the Spirit. But the Bible is very specific. It says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. What else? Joy. What else? Against such there is 
no law. And so I wonder how we would react if you were driving on the street one day and you saw a coconut tree bearing breadfruit. What would you think? Wouldn't it be odd? Before long, you'd probably have this whole little island gathered around that one little tree trying to figure out what happened. Or, or a banana tree bearing apples. The daily life of the Christian should be characterized by all that comprises the fruit of the Spirit. And like many fruit, we note that the fruit of the Spirit is made up of what we might call nine parts or nine, I call them nine disciplines or nine characteristics. Disciplines would be a better word. And all nine disciplines make up that whole fruit. In fact, it wouldn't be the fruit of the Spirit if it did not have those nine disciplines. If it didn't have love, it would not be the fruit of the Spirit. Like a coconut would not really be a coconut if it didn't have the jelly in the water. You would discard that as a coconut, wouldn't you? That's no good. It's good for nothing. Well, the fruit of the Spirit would not be the fruit of the Spirit if it did not have these nine characteristics. And so that's interesting because uh, nine is considered to be the number of fullness in Scripture. And so when we think about fullness and we think about being filled with the Holy Spirit, wouldn't it be great to strive to exercise and practice these nine disciplines of the Spirit? That would really be displaying what our fruit is really like. The filling of the Spirit, practicing these nine disciplines. How is your fruit making you known to those around you today? Instead of love, do you have hatred, bitterness, or even prejudice in your life? Instead of joy, do you have continuous gloominess? Always a gloomy phrase. Person look at, look at you and they wouldn't even consider that you are a child of God. Because you always have this continuous gloominess about you. Instead of peace. Are you always in turmoil? Your life is consistently a storm. Instead of patience. Are you known for being impatient? Intolerant with those around you? Especially those who, who seem to be a little less, let's say, educated than you are. Instead of kindness, are you the poster child for selfishness? Instead of goodness, are you known for bad behavior? Would someone make the expression about you, he's a Christian? Are you known for bad behavior? Instead of faith, do you have endless worry? doesn't take very much for you to worry and worry and worry about what's going on around you, what's going on in your life, what's going to happen tomorrow. Instead of gentleness, do you have a short temper compounded by pride and arrogance? Instead of self-control, are you a victim of your own passions? Notice what Jesus says when he talks about the false prophets of his day. Matthew seven 15. Let's read that together. 
Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. By their fruits, Jesus says, you will what? You will know them. Their fruit will make them known. In the same way that a tree is consistent in the kind of fruit that it bears, Christians must be consistent or they must consistently exhibit good behavior, but not only good behavior, but high moral character as they seek to live out the the truth of Scripture in their daily lives. How many Christians do we know that seek to do that, to live out the truth of Scripture in their daily lives, hoping that by the way they live, by the fruit that they produce, they will draw others to them. Whenever a tree is attractive and it has fruit that is attractive, people are drawn to that tree, isn't it so? You have a tree loaded down with mangoes, and you better believe people are going to be flocking to that tree to get a taste of the fruit. Well, that's the kind of fruit that we are supposed to be bearing. That's the kind of life that, 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 that the Lord Jesus Christ expects of us. That our fruit would make us known to the extent where people are going to be drawn to that tree. They're going to see the kind of fruit that we have, and they want to have that same kind of fruit uh, produced in their own lives. What does the fruit of your daily life say to those around you? What does the fruit of my life say to those around me? I certainly wouldn't want it to be negative. A certain hog farmer refused to have anything to do with a local church in his community because he said that all he ever saw in that church was a bunch of hypocrites. Boy, we hear that a lot, don't we? Isn't that a common expression? He often always would also make a point of naming two or three of those people whom he described as hypocrites from time to time. One day the pastor of the church came to buy a hog from the farmer. And after looking over the entire farmer's herd, the pastor pointed to a scrawny, sickly, ugly little runt. He said, I want that one right there. The farmer argued vigorously. Why, preacher, you don't want this one. He's the scrawniest runner I ever saw. Here are some fine-looking hogs right here. Why don't you buy one of them? The preacher said, no, mm-mm, I want that one right there. That same one, that's the one I want. Now, after purchasing the hog, the purchase was completed. The preacher said, now I'm going to haul this little pig all over the island. Tell everyone that this is the kind of hog you raise. Hey, preacher, that's not fair. The farmer protested. I raise fine hogs. An occasional runt doesn't ruin my whole stock. 
I'm only following your example of condemning a whole church because of the stunted spirituality of a few of its members, explained the pastor. The farmer got the point. Our fruit make us known. May we be one of those little runts in a whole congregation that makes the whole congregation look like a bunch of hypocrites? It's something to think about. And I challenge us to think about that as we consider how our fruit make us known. Because not just us. It's the whole flock that people are going to look at. You see, we need to realize and always remember this. That the world judges Christianity not so much by what the Bible says. But more so by how Christians live. How they live out their daily lives. By the actual fruit that their lives produce. Day in and day out. This means that Christians are the only Bible that many sinners will ever read. Believe it or not. What they know about the Bible is probably what they heard in Sunday school many, many years ago. And it stuck. And so that's what they use to criticize Christians whose lives are not measuring up to what the Bible says. But they don't read the Bible. They read the lives of Christians. In other words, Christians are the only epistles that many people are reading every single day. And so what we need to think about is, as people read you daily, what do, you, what do they learn about God? Remember, you're the, you're the only Bible that they will ever read. I'm the only Bible they will ever read. As they read me, what are they learning about God? How do our actions and attitudes accurately reflect God's truth? And I said accurately because there's a whole lot of false stuff going on now. All you need to do is turn on the radio and you'll hear a whole bunch of false stuff. But how is our attitudes and actions really reflecting the accurate, accurately God's truth? What behavior do we need to change in order to revise the epistle of our lives that people are reading every day? Is a commitment really in order for you? A recommitment to Christ in order for you and for me? Something to think about. If you're a Christian, then, then people should be able to, to look for and find good fruit in your life and mine. Why? Because a disciple of Jesus Christ is supposed to produce fruit. That's what Jesus said. What does he say? My true disciples produce much fruit. Which brings great glory to my Father. So we see how important it is that we produce fruit. How important it is that our fruit really reflect who we are. And who are we? Jesus says, my true disciples. Now he could have just said, my disciples. But he's distinguishing because he knows that there are disciples that follow him that are not true. And so he has to make a distinction. And so for those of us whose fruit are not making us know, we need to consider whether we are really true disciples or whether we're just disciples. See, there were many, many disciples, persons who followed Jesus and called themselves disciples. And whenever Jesus made some teachings that didn't go too well with them, the Bible made it clear that they didn't follow him anymore. And we read that over and over in the, in the scriptures. And so Jesus' followers continued to fall off and off and off. 
when they saw what was demanded of them in order that they would be true disciples. Many times people try to be good, honest people who do what is right. But the only way to truly live a good life according to Jesus is to stay close to him. That's the only way. Apart from Christ, all of the hard work that we are doing, trying to accomplish good things or to be fruitful, all it results to is unfruitfulness. But I want you to picture in your mind how God is glorified when the vine produces much fruit. Because it's really something for us to ponder. You see, it's God who sends the rain, it's God who sends the sunshine that makes the crops grow every day. All of that comes from Him. It's God who constantly nurtures each tiny plant and prepares it to blossom. So we can see what a glorious time it is for the farmer, for the Lord of the harvest, when he brings into his barns all of the fruit that are ripe and ready for for us to use. God gets great glory because he made it all happen. He's the one that accomplished it. He's the one that made it all happen. And this farming analogy shows how God is glorified when people come into a right relationship with him and begin to produce much fruit in their lives. So we see how important it is for our fruit to really make us known because it it, it reflects the one that we serve, the one that we follow. Are you receiving nourishment in your life that is offered by Christ, the vine? If you're not, then you're missing out on on something very, very special, something we need to think about. When we read scripture, we'll find that the metaphor of fruit bearing is used a lot, many, many times. In the parable of the sower, Jesus talked about seed that fell on different types of ground, representing different kinds of reactions to the truth of the gospel message, over and over again. The final category he mentioned in Mark chapter 4 and verse 20 was good ground. Notice what he says, the seed that fell on what? Good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of what? 30, a hundred times more than had been planted. And so the soils symbolize four different ways people respond to God's word. The widespread thinking or the common thinking is that Jesus was talking about four different kinds of people. But the implication is that he could also have been talking about, one, different stages in a person's life, or two, how people willingly apply God's word to some areas of their lives, but resist applying it to other areas. And that's a common practice. For example, being open to God about your future, but closed to God about how you spend your money or your time. One of the things that people cherish more than anything else is their money and their time. They want God to tell them what to do about everything else, but don't let God tell them how to spend their money or their time, because that's theirs. And so it's, it reflects those who are open to God in some areas of their lives, but they are closed in others. A person may respond like good soil to God's command for worship, but respond like rocky soil to the command to give to those in need, to those who are really needy. 
And so our challenge, though, the challenge that we have in making our fruit known is to strive to be like the good soil in all areas of our lives. Can we accomplish that? Is that achievable? Is that a doable thing? Is that something that we really want to do? It's a challenge that we have. If we really want to make our fruit known to the point where it's going to be attractive to others and it's going to bring great glory to God. In other words, those who have spiritual longevity are those who embrace this truth and produce much fruit to the glory of God. The Bible tells us in Matthew 8, 3, 3, 8, that we should bear fruit worthy of repentance. Or as the NLT puts it, prove by the way you live that you belong, that you have repented of your sins and have turned to God. Prove by the way you live. Prove by the way you produce fruit in your lives that you have really repented, that you have turned from your old ways and that you have turned to God. Fruit worthy of repentance. And the Bible gives us different pictures as to what fruit bearing really means. For example, praising and thanking God is one way of bearing fruit in our lives. And Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. When we praise God, we are being fruitful with our lips. When we open our mouths and exalt God and magnify Him like we've been doing this evening in the songs that we have sing, we have sung, we are praising God. We are bearing fruit. At a church service, a young lady sat in a wheelchair in the front row. She had no legs and only part of one arm. Everyone was worshiping. As everyone is worshiping, this young woman lifted up what she had left of that one arm to the Lord. Think about how this must have pleased God to such a great extent. She didn't have both hands to lift up like everybody else was lifting up. But what she had, she lifted to the Lord. Did she have problems and difficulties? Most certainly. She probably had more than you could ever think of. But nothing stopped her from offering a sacrifice of praise to God. That's what the Bible is talking about when it talks about bearing fruit. Do we praise God only when we are in the mood to do so? You know, we are moody people sometimes. And if you're not in the mood, you're not going to do, do something. But do we praise God only when we're in the mood? Absolutely not. At least that ought to be our answer. We praise God because he is worthy of our praise. Isn't he? Because he's worthy. The word worship, the English word worship, comes from the old English form worth-ship. We praise God because he is worthy. He is worthy of the highest praise. And so when we are singing and we are lifting our hands and, and praising God, we ought to be thinking, boy, I wish I could do a whole lot more to show God how worthy he really is. That's what he's talking about. So we don't praise God because uh, we feel like it. 
If we do a lot of things because we feel like it, there's a whole lot of things we wouldn't do that we need to do, that are essential for us to do. We praise God because he deserves our praise. And then whenever we do so, we are bearing fruit. Whenever we do so, we are making our fruit known. And others are impacted by it. Others are affected by it. Others' lives are changed by it. And so whatever we say is also the type of fruit in our lives. And so we ought to be careful about the speech that we use, the things that we say. Jesus said, a good person produces good deeds from a good heart. And an evil person produces evil deeds from an evil heart. Whatever is in the heart determines what you say. Boy, that's astounding, isn't it? And that's why people know who you are and what you like because of the things that you say. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus said, my true disciples produce much fruit. This brings great glory to my father. A judge fined a man $100 plus court fees or court charges and sentenced him to 90 days in jail for impersonating a doctor and practicing medicine without a license. Makes you wonder how many professing Christians would be hit by a law finding those who pretended to be Christians and were not. It makes you think. Think about what? It makes you think, are we leading or misleading by our pretensions? You see, our fruit makers known. And our fruit determines whether we are leading people to Christ or we are leading them away from Christ. Think of a tree that, does, that has fruit that is not attractive. Ain't nobody going to that tree. They're going to stay away from it. And so you are actually leading people away. Our fruit makes us known. It is important for us to be to remember how much known our fruit reveals who we are. When you are a true disciple, it will be reflected by what we say and do. Because that's what fruit bearing is really all about. Manifesting in our daily lives what Jesus is doing in our heart through the person of the Holy Spirit. Can people identify your spiritual fruit in your daily living? Can they? Or they're confused. They're perplexed. Some people have worked with people for years and didn't know that they they were even believers. And when they found out, they were shocked because their fruit never made them known. Our fruit makers known. People are watching and they're listening. So our challenge is, let's be sure. Let's be absolutely certain that our actions and our words are actually pointing them to Jesus and not repelling them from him. Only eternity would reveal how much our fruit is made as known. We don't know how much time we have left. The fellow predicted yesterday we were all supposed to be gone yesterday. But we're still here. We have time. Now is a good time to think about and reflect on 
how the fruit of our lives really make us known and how they lead us, how they lead others to Christ instead of misleading others around us and perplexing them and causing them to accuse us like the hog farmer of being a whole bunch of hypocrites. Are you going to be the little runt? Like the little runt in that farmer's flock that was making everybody else look bad? Or are we going to reflect on who Jesus is and allow our fruit to make us known? May the Lord bless and challenge us with that as we go through the course of this coming week. And ask him to allow us to be conscious of the fruit that we are bearing. Especially in every situation that we get into. You know, as I was driving into the parking lot this evening... My mind ran on the little boy who was watching the, the pastor in his carpenter workshop to see what he would say when he, when he hit his thumb with a hammer because as soon as I pulled into the parking lot, I got a flat tire. And we know people don't like flat tires, right? Whenever we get a flat tire, you know, what comes out really reveals who you really are. But no sweat. Jumped out of the car, pulled out the jack, pulled out the, flat, the spare tire, fixed the tire. And so I was challenged before I even come in here this evening, about making my fruit known. And each of us are going to be challenged in the same way as we leave here and as we go to our homes and our workplaces and schools and jobs. We're going to be challenged in the same way. Something's going to happen in your life that's going to cause you to respond when you hit your finger with a, when you hit your thumb with a hammer. The question is, how are you going to respond? Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you, Father, that you've challenged us to be true disciples of yours. And true disciples of yours are responsible for producing much fruit that bring you great glory. We pray, Lord, that as we leave here today, we may remember not just everything that has been said here, but most of all, what has been said by that still small voice as you spoke to us individually relating to concerns and issues in our own lives that many of us here may not even know about. We pray, O oh God, that you would cause us to be reflective and that we would truly desire to make our food known that we may lead others to Christ rather than lead, mislead by pretension. These things we ask as we ask your blessed benediction. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. The Lord bless you and make you a blessing this week as you go.